Play that funky music, dead boy. I don't want to scare anyone. But I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. for midnight podcast this is episode 37 week four our last week of our first halloween month you guys if you're tuning in right after our usual release time it's just past midnight on friday east coast that is wherever and whenever you are just make sure you mind your own business don't go snooping around any large military grade canisters and if it blows a toxic gas into your face, well, it might just already be too late for you. Now that we're ready to party, Jake, Carrie, and I want to say thank you to the DFM fam. All of our listeners have really shown out during October. And for those of you that haven't listened yet to our free episodes, in uh, week one or episode 34, aptly nicknamed Mom Sweater Origins, we covered the original Friday the 13th. And in week two, episode 35... Jake and Carrie obliged me. We talked the 84 Crystal Lake Massacre trilogy. Uh, Jake joined us machete in hand for our longest episode yet. Uh, two and a half hours where we cover part two, 3D and final chapter. And hey, episode 34 and 35 are most downloaded episodes so far. So thank you, everybody. Last week's episode 36, uh, Prince of Darkness was up there too. So again, thank you. Um, Something new we want to bring to your attention, DFM fam. If you'd like to further support our pod, we've got something new and simple set up. Check out our Tip Top Jar link through our website at dieformidnight.com or check it out through our Twitter at DFM Mailwolf. Um, you can just tip us there. No amount is too small um, or too big. <laughs> and uh, you can find that at DFM Mailwolf on Twitter or I guess X now. But uh, we again, we really appreciate you and all the love that we've gotten this year. And uh, now, about that, you need a medical supply building. Uh, Carrie, before I go any further, just heads up on the spoilers for me. Yes. So friendly reminder, we are a full spoilers pod. We know a lot of you have watched this movie. But for some of those who are new to this movie, you have to check this one out. Jake, what movie are we talking about? 1985's epic, classic, essential return of the living dead. You ready to party? I was born ready. Okay. Now, listen, Jake and Carrie, ignore this dead body over here we have inside the barrel. Uh, do not heed the need to call the army with this discovery. Just follow my lead, okay? And on my mark, just take three deep breaths of this thing they're calling 245 
trioxin. Okay, one, all three of us breathe in, breathe out. Okay, two, breathe it in again, let it go slowly. And finally, breathe in, hold, and breathe out. Now, we're ready to talk about this cousin to George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. And we are going to dive right in, right away with the poster, guys. What do you notice on this one? This is not just a zombie movie. Jake, what makes this movie, as portrayed in this poster, so different? Well, you literally um, have zombies in costume. Like, you have a punk rock zombie. You've got kind of like a a rocker zombie spray painting the tombstone. You've got a zombie with a really great set of tits, which, (laughs) you know, I'm not saying that they're the first people to ever do this, but, you know, this is very much front and center. They're trying to give these, these zombies a personality instead of just being, you know, just mindless flesh eaters. So, and it's in color. It's in bright green and red and black. And it's just, this is something different. Yeah. Why? So the very first color I think of, and Carrie, you, you chime in too. I mean, obviously the green stands out, but as soon as somebody mentions the return of the living dead to me, you can't help but think about the colors and specifically green. Is it, what is it about the green color in this thing? I mean, there's a lot of colors, but the green, is it just the slime and the sledge? What what is it, guys? What what's well, the, with that green I, color? I think it's part of the gas, the color of the gas, because it's toxic. So I think that's where the green comes in, and you it, it's almost like ghoul like too. Yeah. So you're yeah. signaling it's not just zombie. You know, there's a for me, anyways. Yeah. Uh, Jake, is it perhaps the radioactivity with these zombies as well? I don't know. It's just, we got to think about it. What are the three official colors of Halloween in the spooky season? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, to me, it's, it's orange and black. And then you could argue it's, it's red or green after that. I would definitely say green. I would definitely say green. I mean, black technically is the absence of color and black mm-hmm. can kind of fit in a little bit anywhere. But, um, uh, yeah, I would definitely say that, you know, it's definitely a hallow. It's you think about, you know, what, what color is Frankenstein usually depicted as exactly. green. Yeah. what, yeah. and what is in a way, a lot of ways, what is Frankenstein? Yeah. 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 He's, he's a zombie. Yeah. He's the living yeah. dead. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And in the 80s, everything had to be bright. Everything had to be garish. And, you know, I I don't really think they had too much of a choice. (laughs) Yeah. So you already mentioned the look, the the costumes. Uh, And and in one specific set of dialogue, it's really a way of life. The tagline speaks to this. It says, they're back from the grave and ready to party. And... What do you what do you think about when you hear that, Carrie? Uh, I think this is going to be a fun movie. I think it's going to be a gru- little little gruesome, 
you know, they're going to get into the nitty gritty. That's what I think yeah, of when I hear yeah. that. They, they've got, that's interesting that they're saying they're back from the grave. And we'll go into that a little bit later. Jake, any thoughts on the tagline there? It's this, this is, this is a gauntlet being thrown down. I mean, usually whenever, usually when it comes to zombies, uh, up until this point, zombies were taken pretty seriously. Wait, so now we have it saying, you know, they're back from the grave and ready to party. (laughs) Okay, that adds another dimension, party. And then you take a look at it. They got leather jackets, spray paint. Yeah, it's, I think Carrie hit the nail on the head. It's like, this is going to be different. This is going to be fun and by then you already i'm already reeled in and i'm sitting down and eyes transfixed to the screen (laughs) well and then what what happens with this is okay we've got a party horror movie um which is like a whole subgenre onto itself i mean we could sit here and list movies that like okay you know and you're going to tell us a little bit later i mean you can create a whole get together party around a movie like this but then you've got the bonus. If you know nothing about this movie, listeners, you've got comedy thrown into this, whether it be just dry humor or the heavy handedness with the slapstick. So you're you're really it's it's not just a party in the sense of the music that's behind this and, and the good time, but the comedy behind it is a huge chunk of that. Um, now, this next section that we're this is starting to become kind of an emerging popular section for this podcast. Um, Jake, can you lead the way? Did you think of two alternate taglines for this movie? I thought of one, but it's okay. a tagline that's rooted in possible truth. Okay. okay. Now, I there's a reason why I'm here tonight with you people, folks. Of all the horror movies that we were going to cover, like, ever, 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 ever. <laughs> This might be the one I have, the single one I have the deepest personal connection to. I think I have a deeper personal connection to another series. But one standalone film is this. I'm going to have a lot to say about how I discovered it. But one of the things was, um, we got to talk about our roots here. Carrie and Case, do you remember the Giant Eagle at Indiana, PA? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. All right, and do you remember that they were still renting out VHS tapes? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, Jake, I actually had a VHS DVD combo in college. I know. That's one of the reasons why I know I knew that, you know, he was going to marry you. <laughs> and, if I had, <laughs> and if I hadn't have been happily with who I was with at the time, I'd have been all over you and still wound up in Cambria County. <laughs> <laughs> you know you know what about that was that so this is uh for those that are listening you know we we went to college together at iup in the npa from 2002 to 2006 and now jake was this was this still technically an eagle video or is this transition is like we've got a little video spot over here no this actually was kind of a little video spot but i gotta tell you um they had a pretty decent selection. It, it was small, but I was taking a look. Like I saw Black Christmas for the first time on their on their um collection. There, Deranged was really? there, and they had this. They had a copy of Return of the Living Dead, and 
about the getting back to the tagline. I, I, I'm pretty sure this is what I remember. I hope it's not a false memory. I think the tagline on the box that they had was, and I'm not joking, was, I love you. I want to eat your brains. <laughs> and, well, whoever's listening, Google that and see that. I, I would be interested if they like released this differently, like regionally, if VHS is just very yeah. region, but that's awesome. Yeah. I remember that if you wanted to request a movie, they would actually put in a request to get a movie from a local other video store. I did seriously? Yeah. Oh, That's shit. amazing. I didn't know that. You didn't, I didn't know, know that either. Oh no. So wait now, wait a second now. You can't just like drop that and that's all you're gonna say. Like, do you have like a list of movies you had them order or get for you? No, they were just it was just one of those informational things that they were telling me, like, if you can't find what you want, we can always, you know, request it from another store. You know, I'm super disappointed as your husband that that whole time we were together, you never told me this. <laughs> so, um, but no, I love I love that one, Jake. I mean, that I mean, it comes straight from the dialogue, but it that that also sounds fan made too. Yeah, it was it it was wild. I wasn't, and like I said, I might have I might be misremembering this, but all I do know is that I did see on a box somewhere. Where it had that that thing that 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 tag on it. Okay, so and we, and a little bit later on in this episode, guys, we're going to uh, cover, uh, especially Jake's going to cover. So this one is so near and dear to his heart. We're going to have some uh, personal tales from Jake a little bit later on in relation to Return of the Living Dead. So Carrie, you are up. All uh, right, can you give us a tagline or two. Okay. When zombies roam the earth, it's time to party. I like that one because you, you've kind of combined the Dawn of the Dead feel with this one. That That's what that makes me think of. Okay. And then my next one is, how do you kill the undead? Watch and find out. <laughs> that's a fun one, too. Uh -huh. um, what's up, Jake? You got any thoughts about Carrie's creations. I thought they're good. Genuinely <laughs> like <laughs> so so here here's one. I, I I went, of course, you know me a little goofy with mine. Uh mine is my first one is Louisville is throwing a killer party. And two, workplace accidents are a laughing matter. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that, that especially that last one. That's a good um, one. And and guys, if you stick around for intermission, we've got a uh, an important message from uh, you need a medical supply. There's a training video that we're going to be playing. Um, but uh, speaking of, we we kind of touched on physical media, um, Jake, with you bringing up the uh, the, the giant eagle store. Um, just a heads up, everybody, you can find this thing like on eBay, Amazon for like a good just a regular old DVD, three to five bucks. Uh, if you're in love with this movie, like Jake is, like we are, go the multi-format route, 12 bucks. Um, the good thing is right now, especially during October, if you don't have this on physical media, um, it's a ton of places. I mean, let me just, first of all, Tubi, 
Okay. Um, if you're going to rent this thing on prime video and you want to keep building your DVD collection, spend another dollar or two and get this on eBay. Cause you know, what's the sense in streaming this? I mean, if you got to, you, you got to, but, um, now physical media and streaming, I'm going to say this is part two aside from the return of the living dead part two, I'm going to ask each of you what movie pairs up well with this for a double feature. Jake, I'll ask you that first. Uh, it's one we'll be covering later on in the in the future. It's not particularly um, a straight up zombie movie. It's kind of it's zombie adjacent. Um, I think in, but I'm thinking more in terms of tone and also timeline. Uh, I think Night of the Creeps would Ooh. pair really well with this because you still have a little bit of the zombie thing there. Um, you have a punishingly good cast and one of the best scripts and it has a similar tone to it. I mean, it has its serious moments. It has its funny moments. I think that would probably be a pretty good, a pretty good one. Carrie, any thoughts about that? I love that. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good call. So Carrie, you're next. You're up next. What All about right. you? What movie is going to be your your pairing, your double feature here with Return? So I'm going Zombieland. I like that too. I just That's think the, the energy would be fun. The music from Zombieland and, and the fun that comes from that paired up with the music of Return, you know, the rules it establishes just they're both survival versus zombie rules. Um, you know, it would just be a fun pairing in my opinion. And I would have return playing first and then zombie land second. I, I also agree with that because you need a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of a palate cleanser. I mean, you, you don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to close necessarily with the turn of the living dead, unless you're trying to go for a very special vibe. Wink, wink. Yeah. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> so, and then if, if my double feature would have this flyer, Come, oh, nice. have a rocking time. Join us for Return of the Living Dead and then Zombieland. I like that. That's good. That's good. Double feature flyer. I, I like the creativeness, Carrie. So, good form. Good form. Uh, I'm, I, I'm going for, uh, and, and I know you two kind of already had a little bit of, the, of a hint or a clue for me because I posted on the Joe Bob group a, a few days ago. I was going back into one of the actors uh, filmography and I'm going to have to go for a nightmare on Elm street part two, Freddy's revenge. I'm going, I'm going with the 1985 vibe. Um, I actually would show a nightmare on Elm street part two first and then return to the living dead. Mm, Um, And and Carrie, I'm going to piggyback off of your flyer ideal. I I, I'm just going to say, um, I'm just going to say, I don't know, uh, Clue times two night <laughs> is how I'm going to put that flyer. Freddy, Zombies, and Clue are back with a vengeance. <laughs> nice. And somebody that's like a really casual horror fan is like, what the hell is CLU Clue? And if anybody is new to this actor, we'll dive back into who Clue is, not what Clue is. Yeah, oh, yeah. Some people might think that you're showing the Clue movie. <laughs> no, but no. Trust, trust me, people. If you're going to stick with us, and we really hope you are, uh, we will be mentioning this man again. 
Yes. Yeah. So uh, we're going to dive right in. Speaking of uh, people involved with Return of the Living Dead. Um, first, let's have a word. Um, and, and Jake, you know, jump in. I'll gladly g- give you the floor on this. But um, with regards to the creators of Return of the Living Dead, I think it's really important to note um, this movie directed by Dan O'Bannon. Um, you, you've got writing credits going to um, John Russo, Russell Streener, Dan O'Bannon. Um, the the Russo part, I, I actually think to me, Jake, is the most kind of important connective tissue in terms of when you think of zombies, zombie history, um, and, and lore. And, and again, step in whenever you want here. But um, for those of you that aren't familiar, John Russo is the guy that basically was one of the right-hand men of George Romero um, and creating Night of the Living Dead. And um, the other guy, Dan O'Bannon, he is a big writer. Um, I mean, he's he actually worked on Dark Star. Um, he was a he writer. Acts on- in it. He also acted in it. Yeah. Um, and he, and... and for those of you who want something a little bit more adjacent to horror, we've got space horror. Um, Dan O'Bannon was a writer on uh, Alien and Aliens, so that's that's something to note. And when you talk about, we'll go a little bit deeper on this. Russell Streener, um, people are like who who is who is that? Well, somebody might say I remember that name from 1990s version of. Night of the Living Dead is the Sheriff McClelland, which is actually an uncredited role. But actually, no, you can go as far back as the original. I mean, there is the iconic line, they're coming to get you, Barbara. So when you say the name Russell, excuse me, Russell Streener, you're talking about Johnny and the way that she yells, Johnny. And I'm paraphrasing, cut it out, Johnny. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Uh, That's who we're talking about, guys. So this is not just. Hey, it's my buddy. This is an important Russell Streener is an important piece of zombie history. Really, all three of these guys are. I'm going to take a, a pause there, Jake. Is there something specifically you want to talk about, Russo or O'Bannon or anybody else? Well, you really hit the nail on um, on O'Bannon and Russo. A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean Dan O'Bannon was one of the people behind getting and creating Alien, the whole thing. Uh, And John Russo, yeah, he was the co-writer of the original script and the co-writer of the original Night of the Living Dead. Uh, Absolutely. And um, huge, 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 um, huge thing on that. Although, uh, (laughs) I've met Russell Strider. Really? (laughs) I've met him. Um, yeah, um, uh, I really, um, like I said, you know, I'm from, I actually am fortunate enough to hail from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I, uh, and I had just moved back from, uh, from Texas and I was walking out of one of my favorite, um, record stores, Attic Records, and I saw a poster for a benefit to save the Evans City Cemetery. Okay. Evans City Cemetery, um, the, the the chapel, and um, and yeah, and he was um, 
and he wound his brother wound up showing up there and um and talking about how I discovered it and I got a poster, I got it signed. I I should probably post that on the uh, Dying for cool. Midnight page. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I I've met him. <laughs> Is so 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 I I I might prod you on uh, Russell to, to expand upon your uh, meeting him some other time, but uh, that is so cool. I, uh, usually, uh, DFM listeners, this is something that Jake and I and Carrie will hash out ahead of time. So that was a neat little surprise, even for me, real time. But so I, I had asked you, Jake, in this episode guide, is Return of the Living Dead connected to Night of the Living Dead? Well, the the answer is an emphatic yes. We we've kind of already started um, diving into that. There there was a dispute between Russo and Romero, how to handle the sequels of their films, uh, or excuse me, of the 68 film Night of the Living Dead. Um, the the whole gist of this is uh, Romero's sequels would be referred to, as everybody knows, the dead movies. Russo's sequels would bear the suffix living dead. So uh, we had Return of the Living Dead, and we had Day in the Dead within like the same year or uh, one year of each other. So that's where the the difference goes. And Jake, I didn't know this that um that the the script um the film rights were were originally acquired by Toby Hooper, um and Russo wrote a script for him, and then he he kind of mm-hmm. dropped out of the project. I, I yeah. know you. I, I know you know a lot on Hooper. Is there? Any other thing that we should mention about the connective tissue between Romero and Russo's worlds here? Well, yeah. Well, um, Toby Hooper and O'Bannon were colleagues. You know, they worked together on stuff. Um, In fact, um, and I think it was initially this was attached to Toby Hooper to work on. And, you know, Dan O'Bannon was trying just to bring it to the screen. Dan O'Bannon didn't really have too many aspirations to direct it in the very beginning but it was kind of one of those things that sort of snowballed and it was like well i guess if i'm gonna get this done i think i'm the one who kind of needs to do it and i think toby hooper had just signed his um uh, a big picture deal with um golan globus um, those guys where he did um the remake of invaders from mars texas chainsaw massacre 2 canon films Canon films. He was the guy. They deal with Canon, so he had to work on Life Force, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, and Invaders from Mars. So he was kind of tied up, and this was sort of picking up speed. And so yeah, Dan O'Bannon, who was thinking about acting in it, in the role that James Karen was going to play, oh, okay. uh, decided no, I think I've got to pretty much step behind, uh, step behind it to get this done. Okay. Carrie, any, any thoughts? Cause I know we kind of threw a lot of uh, filmmaking universes in there in a short amount of time. I, mean, I always um, thought, cause they mentioned in the movie, the they mentioned the talking franchises? about the movie specifically in the office setting about how that that's not how it really went down you know, based off a real event. And it was a nice little tie in to, and a nod to the original movie. And I think it's straight up the connective tissue. Do you ever see the movie Night of the Living Dead? Well, that actually happened. Then he says they had to change all the facts around. So that literally says, okay, this happened. 
But with that one little line where James Karen says they changed all the facts around. So that means, okay, zombies happen, but this now allows the <laughs> filmmakers to do whatever the hell they want. <laughs> and I love, I love that, that little story that he throws in there about, Oh yeah. Now, this is, this is actually what happened. Like talk about material for like, a, a novel or a comic or even a prequel i mean i'm not big on prequels but if you're telling me there's a cousin a prequel cousin to return to the living dead yeah. at the va hospital oh, yeah. in the late 60s with in pittsburgh like, yeah yeah exactly with the whole vietnam oh. and can you imagine a, a vietnam era soundtrack to a zombie movie <laughs> I, i'm down for that Kevin. but um <laughs> yeah, as it, as if Vietnam wasn't dark enough, we're gonna throw the undead in there. But yeah. um, but no, so we're we're gonna move right along. Um, we had mentioned not the movie Clue, Clue Gulliger, um, who plays Bert. You already mentioned James Karen as as Frank, yeah. Don Kalfa as Ernie. I Kara, I know you lashed on to Ernie quite a bit. We were talking about him a lot when we were watching this. Everybody. A lot of you probably know who Freddie is, Tom Matthews, uh-huh. the man who's also in part six of Friday the 13th, Jason Lives. We've got his girlfriend, played by Beverly Randolph, Tina. We've got, um, this is an interesting character that I don't think got enough time, was John Philbin as Chuck. And of course, we've got uh, Jewel Shepard as Casey. And if you don't know a lot about her, um, of course, there, there's a lot of early 80s exploitation films featuring Joel Shepard, and, and I'll leave it at that one. But uh, And of course, we've got another Friday the 13th alum, Miguel Nunez Jr., who everybody knows as Damone and the, the outhouse ballad by Damone. He plays Spider here, um, who, who is arguably maybe the, the smartest character out of this whole entire cast. Um, I think he and uh, he and uh, Bert kind of go back and forth because I mean, Bert, you got to remember he was trying to cover it up, he was yes. trying to do it, but you got to understand, you know, you'd have thought that cutting the bodies up and burning them, reduce it to ashes, would do it. That's where they went wrong, Jake. But That's where they went not wrong that night. Is are these without getting too far off track, Jake? I mean, is the only solution the canisters just set it and forget it? Well, I don't, I don't want to acknowledge this, but they did find a way in one of the very lesser sequels on how to possibly deal with it. Uh-huh. They found a way to handle it by using electricity. Interesting. Okay. But then, of course, the bodies themselves, if they were to turn, if they were to be set on fire, the smoke goes up in the air. So these zombies are hands down yeah. just this side of unkillable. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and I, I think we're, you know, let me mention a couple other people, but, you know, we've got... um Brian Peck as Scuzz, and yes, I'm sure a lot of Return of the Living Dead fans and zombie fans are familiar with, you know, some of the legal troubles that he's gotten himself into. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, and uh, we've got um, Mark Venturini as Suicide, 
We've got, um, which I think is a neat little role, Jonathan Terry as Colonel Glover, who really, <laughs> who really uh, ends this movie with quite a bang for, yes, pun intended. And of course, we've got one of the centerpieces of this movie. Uh, and it might be the first person that everybody thinks of when you think of this movie, Linnea Quigley. The amazing Linnea Quigley is trash. And um, another no, future ex-wife of mine, everybody. Another future ex-wife. Yeah. I, well, it's so it's Linnea Quigley for you. And, and I know Alexandra Diodario has been kind of climbing up the ranks for you, too. Trish. I have two. I have yeah. two future ex-wives. I'm going to be very busy in my 40s. <laughs> So, so Carrie and Jake, you both, we started going into what makes these zombies so different. Um, We've talked about, you know, the, the whole punk rock aspect. We've talked about how they're close to being unkillable. Um, Carrie, what else to you makes the zombies different? Because they try that, you know, theory, knocking it in the head and it doesn't stop it. I mean, you have that, you have people partying in the graveyard, so you have that whole aspect, plus the weather plays a factor. I thought it was interesting that they turned the, not only the noxious gas, but the the fumes from the crematorium turns it, and that it spreads it that way, not only to, you know, just um, inhaling it, but... It's yeah. going down into the ground and people that have been the fact that it can penetrate the ground and then make make them the corpses rise. We're not even just talking about turning people, making the corpses rise. That's not you don't see corpses rising out of the ground yeah. a whole lot in Romero films. It's usually just about the spread. So I thought that was interesting, too. Um, but then that the turns the rain into acid rain. So they've got to deal with the pain and if you're a trash's case being butt ass naked in a graveyard getting hit with acid rain um so that i i thought that was a neat little touch too any other thoughts jake about the the ghouls in this one versus other ones oh i've got tons okay all right you got to remember that one line that james karen delivers we already talked about they changed the facts around that literally clears the board and Carrie beautifully brought in, you know, the fact where they hit him in the brain with the pickaxe and that's still not working. So let's face it, pretty much this went about to break pretty much every rule that George Romero put in place for zombies. Um, Bullet to the head doesn't work. Decapitation doesn't really work. Lighting them, chopping up into pieces don't really work. Also, you have to think about it. Before this, zombies shuffled. They moved slowly. These are sprinting at you. And they're dead, so they're not going to get tired. They are sprinting at you. Isn't it funny? Yeah, I I was just going to throw in this thought, especially for people in in our generation. They did that you had uh, the uh, 04 remake of Dawn of the Dead. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, this is the first time that I'm seeing zombies run. It's like, no, you, you got to look to Return of the Living Dead, you know, 10 years, really almost 20 years before that one. Yeah, I, I, I just literally would tell people in the IUP campus, I said, yeah, you don't get out much, do you? I really enjoyed it, too. <laughs> and, and hey, I liked that remake. So but, did I. But, honestly, but, 
Yeah. Yeah. But to continue what I was saying, um, they ran now. Going even further, other zombies would moan and just, these zombies are talking. They are articulating. They are telling people at dispatch to send more paramedics. (laughs) Bring people seriously. And they're screaming, you know, I love you, Chino. That's why you gotta let me eat your brains. <laughs> this this levels everything up, people. Hey, well, this is a this is a good spot to move right along, Jake. I, I gave you the task of um, naming the Midnight Travelers' top five deaths or effects from Return of the Living Dead. Can you can you kick that section off for us? Uh, this it's is hard. hard. This yeah. is hard. Uh, in no particular order. Um, I'll, I'll start right with um, the uh, pickaxe of the brain. And, that's, uh, that's my. That's one of my because faves. that that still kind of makes me jump. The way they shot it, the way they edited it. I mean, it was just it was really some of the best editing and 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 scene and scene composition that I've seen because it's just it hits and it's just bam. And then you're like ah oh, oh, you missed. i hit the fucking brain and it's just there's that uh another thing is whenever um <laughs> clue Gulager, god bless that guy just line drives tar man's head with the baseball bat yes <laughs> i mean just bam <laughs> um another one uh and this when i would show this to my friends i took it on a tour in the fall of 02 and I would just force people to to watch this. The one, the one kill that they kept going back to um, was whenever the second batch of paramedics show up, <laughs> and you know the zombies come at him, but the one zombie just <laughs> plasters him, like just tackles him and sends him flying. Yes, they they played that over three times. Um. And in order to be PC, I'll use the term the uh, little person zombie. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I missed yeah. this. Yeah. Wait, there's a little person zombie? The zombie character didn't have legs, but they got a little person to play it. So yeah. whenever he's running after um he's running after um Ernie, he's on these little legs and he's doing the, the little person walk, and it's just kind oh. of <laughs> I know this is supposed to be terrifying, but I see that's the thing. This movie constantly puts you in those situations where it's like, this should be terrifying, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> well, you know, Jake, without mm-hmm. spoiling uh, Demons 2, You'll, for you, you will definitely so enjoy that you part. Just brought up a little person because there's one in Demons 2 as well. I think I kind of discerned that from the box art, to be honest with you, but okay. I look forward to taking that in. But yeah, I, I don't want to take over too much of this. So yeah. Whatever case, I, Carrie, what do you yeah. guys have to say so about my, What's They grab the, the paramedic out of the vehicle. They start chomping on the brain. And then they're just saying, send more. I love the dryness of that and the fact that they're they're smart enough yeah. to say, hey, paramedics. give me more food. And it just cycles again and again and again. Well, so eventually, yeah. and, then, and yeah. then he also says, send more cops. And if it just keeps going, as we said, send more firemen, send more troops. Um, 
it's funny how they cycle through that. We've, I think we all love the yellow cadaver moment, but I'm actually going to go with a specific effect this time. Um, I mean, we all love tar, man. There's just too much to say in terms yeah. of what we love, but yeah. I'm going with Tom Matthews makeup after he turns the juxtaposition of this off white corpsey skin with the bright color of his cold undead lips. And then when the acid is thrown in his face, he has, he has kind of like that acid damage, like purplish red. It's almost like a trauma look to his face. Oh yeah. Uh, so that, that's my, one of my favorite effects there. I wanted to throw that in there. That's a good now, one. And yeah, and he has that gray skin powder, but they put that red jacket on him. So visually he just looks stunning. Like he just pops on the screen. Yeah, you know what? I forgot about the the varsity jacket, but that that is a good touch. Just the the clash between the the white and the red on him. Um, <laughs> Bonus points to anybody who can tell me what's printed on the back of that varsity jacket. <laughs> I, I, I I don't know either. <laughs> I, I I I actually don't know. I never paid attention. Um, uh, uh, I'll tell you. I mean, it was kind of like. Geez, he has kind of like a varsity. He's, he's hanging out with a bunch of punk rockers. Looks like a football player. Then you see what's actually printed on the Fuck back you. of that jacket. Okay. Fuck Are you. We, what, what's it say? Fuck you. <laughs> watch it again. I, I, I'd been watching it for months, and then I realized, oh, my God. And I I, I try not to swear too much on this on this podcast, people, but this is educational here. This is this is his history, and I'm trying to inform you. But yeah, he wears a red varsity jacket with the words "fuck you" on the back of it. Oh, but I mean, doesn't that, that just that talks to the the whole counterculture? Of this it whole, it whole talks. It talks yeah. to that the fact that everybody involved in this was on the same page they paid attention they cared this is a beautiful piece of art absolutely so with that being said not even just visual art but the written art we're going to move along jake uh do you have some of your favorite return of the living dead quotes or dialogues that you want to share with us oh god uh oh it's um you guys go first. I got to start putting some of these together because you got to understand. I, I pretty much went through the entire script. Um, you know, sure. uh, some of the stuff is funny, so go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So you you started saying it, Jake. I'm just going to read some of Freddie's lines um, since we're on a Freddie kick right now. And, oh wait, I got one. I'm sorry, I got one. Just, and you probably I got, said yeah, I, got, I got one. Okay. What are we going to do? Lock it in. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, the, oh, dude, the 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 energy, the tension right before they open, they unlock the freezer before the yellow cadaver comes flying out. Um, that so just some of the the foreboding and and the tension, the lead up to actually discovering that there's fucking un, excuse me, I swore undeads running around. Um, but but mind Jake, you started touching on it earlier the, at the end. Tina, it was wrong of you to lock me up. I had to hurt myself to get out, but I forgive you, darling. And I know you're here because I can smell your brains. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm coming up, Tina. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that. I did, yeah. I so, that. you know, I could have just visioned 
every once in a while them cutting back to that same zombie saying send more blank and it still would get me yeah uh another one do you ever fantasize about (laughs) being killed never i do try to think about dying too much (laughs) i think the worst way would be for a bunch of old men to surround me and start eating me alive. <laughs> First, I tear off my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> light over here. Try to take it off her clothes again. <laughs> That's perfect, Carrie. That deserves this a round a of costume. applause. This is a way of life. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh come on. Have some respect for the dead. <laughs> I love that. It's all one. gold, people. It's all gold. You just have to see it. You just Absolutely. gotta see it. So that uh, we're we're already at the end of our first segment. Um, Jake, I'll, I'm going to start off with uh, Carrie this time. Actually, I gave it a three and a half out of five. Let's hear her out. There was, I just, I had some issues like in the chapel scene where they're screaming. Um, it, it, it actually hurt my ears and my head, um, a little bit, just the sound. Um, I, I can't explain it. It just, it, it hurt. I do think some of the choices, um, I, I like the characters, but some of the choices, like how they got there wasn't explained and, I I think that there could have been more character development. But you got to think about it. Um, a move they they got it when you're putting a movie together. You got to really think about all right. What do we need to really tell the story? Now I agree with you. He kind of just he he definitely just does show up. And I can't say a hundred percent if this scene was even scripted or even shot, but. You know, I don't think it would be too out of the out of the realm of imagination to figure. Oh, they probably just called him up on a payphone somewhere and said, "Hey, yeah, we're down." And, in this and part that's of a good, that's a good note, party. You but, want to join us um, and bring your and, car? And that's where I think the preference comes in. Don't get me wrong; I think this is a very fun movie. Without a doubt. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I don't think you're hating on this at all. I don't think you're hating on this at all. But that's that's a critique that at, at me personally, I I could kind of I could kind yeah. of I could I could figure that one out on my own. Well, and, and I it doesn't, I think it I enjoy the beginning of this movie and the end of this movie, but from the middle part of this movie is where I think there's just okay, what happened in, to this middle part? Like for me, I think that's where I get kind of get out of it. In the middle section. Because this actually sticks out to me from whenever we're rewatching it. When they mm-hmm. come with the split dog and the bags, the the body parts, you had said to me when we were watching this, this is where yeah. this starts getting yeah. not boring, but it slows down for you. So I have that noted. I No, I actually agree. It, it's, it is... I think they had to do it because now they have to pull people in and they have to... I think it's kind of out of necessity, but I definitely agree. It does slow down a little bit at that point, 100%. Um, Yeah, they had it right the first time of putting the zombies in a, in a, in a, 
sea of like a um, acid, like in an acid bath. I think if they had done that, this wouldn't have spread. Okay. Well, I'm going to go on. I'm going to score this. I, I definitely, I hear you on the slower middle part. Um, but I, and <clears throat> maybe this is where I got confused in my notes. I'd mentioned characters. Um, <clears throat> and I actually had an issue with this in our uh, Prince of Darkness episode from last week where I was, I, I liked the movie. It's a very good movie. I mean, I'm going to go a little further. I think it's excellent. Um, it's in my top five zombie films of all time. Um, <clears throat> but I actually would have been fine without as much, and, and maybe somebody's going to hit me over the head for saying this, Joel Shepard is Casey or John Philbin is Chuck or Brian Peck is Scuzz. I mean, you need, it, it couldn't have, I, what I'm saying is, I could see where maybe people said, no, just suicide and trash wouldn't have worked because then Freddie would have been the third wheel. But then I would say, you yeah, know, yeah, but Spider could have been with him. I just felt it got to the point where when the shit hit the fan, I just wasn't anywhere nearly as interested in those three characters. So just maybe one or two characters too many for me. But still, I'm ranking this thing four out of five because it's just too fun. All right, well, let's... <laughs> Just reveal the biggest surprise of this whole thing. <laughs> what Jake thinks about it. Okay. <laughs> uh sorry for me, this is a this is a hard five. This is a hard five. This may not be the best zombie movie ever made, but it's without question my favorite. I'm not saying I'm saying it's close to I think it's close to perfect for what it was trying to do. That's when I say a movie is perfect. That's that's the that's the parameter it falls. It's perfect for what it's trying to do. I was very happy with the script. Um, the only thing where I thought there was a slight plot hole was and and, and catch and please um, check me on this when um, Brian Peck's character gets dispatched in the uh, in the coffin room. He doesn't come back as a zombie. Yeah. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the only plot inconsistency that I have. But they boarded up the room. He might already be in there. I don't know. I mean, obviously, Trash got torn up by zombies and came back as a zombie. Why didn't it happen with him? Yeah, because he was... He was attacked pretty hard by the um, half lady, right? Yes, he was. Yeah. Blood sprayed all over the wall, the plywood. Great effect. Yeah, I mean, and not just that. They focus on that half lady corpse while they have her on the table. And they're saying, you know, basically, like, why do you feed and why do you need brains? Because Uh of the pain that we're in. The brain is the only thing. Even the brain is the only thing that can satiate and get rid of the pain. They Mm -hmm. go to that trouble. And then you're right. She's the one that takes out Scuzz. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, see, Scuzz never to be heard from again. Yeah, um, that, that okay. is what happened. And I, I think that the amount of characters is well balanced. You know, I, I think it, it says a lot because when something like, if something like this were to actually happen, a lot of people are going to be affected. There's going to yes. be people who are closer to the action. There's going to be people who are further away, but it's going to affect <laughs> everybody. Mm-hmm. Like the scene where Jewel Shepard was, I never did like you. 
<laughs> but oh God, hold me tight. I thought that was a touching scene because yeah. that's how pe- real people would react in that situation. You know, maybe you're with somebody who you really could give to what's about, but you're scared, you're alone, you feel threatened, and you cling to each other. And I yeah. actually thought that was a very poignant, touching, realistic moment in the sea of all this, you know, funny, gory madness here. So, no, for me, the the music, the the cast, oh, my God, the cast. Everything here works for me. And other than the, the Brian Peck um, criticism, that's that's about it. This is this is a hard five for me. Awesome. Well, hey, gang, that means that we've got, again, another statistical oddity here with Jake rating with us. But still, I'm going to start rounding these up that we've got a four and a quarter out of five skull splitting axes. That's our last movie that we're reviewing for Halloween 25-8-366. But we're not done yet. We're going to go on an even deeper dive with Jake the Midnight Traveler, our uh, resident Return of the Living Dead expert here. We're going to have him continue his thoughts for us on this 85 flick. And as a little bonus, we're going to discuss in segment two some of our trick-or-treating favorites and traditions. See you guys shortly. Welcome to Unnetical Supply. Now that Human Resources has got you squared away with all of your paperwork, let's take a moment in this instructional video to understand the mandatory guidelines, reminders, and other information that will make you a happy, healthy, and safe member of the Unneta Medical Supply Team. Once you've completed this video, let your supervisor know you're ready for warehouse work. First, let's start with the main goal of this video, that poster you see hanging to your left. Let's make sure that X number of days without incident never gets reset to zero. At Aneta, we take pride in letting our customers that span academia, military, healthcare, and public health know that we're careful with the products we provide to them and that our services are second to none. That means you, the employee, have a responsibility to respect Aneta warehouse work, and we're here to help you maintain this level of commitment. Let's do this together. Now, you're probably tempted to goof off during your shift. A little fun, safe humor never hurt anyone. So long as it doesn't cross the line, as we tell our customers in the defense industry, we have fun, yes. Curiosity, never, unless you've been asked to take an approved item, pack it for shipping with the latest in cardboard and styrofoam, repeat after me, don't go there. Next, a word on cadavers and specimens. Stored cadavers in the freezer. You must seek approval from your supervisor to get into the freezer. This takes a special form and well, Repeat after me, don't go there. After all, you're here for a warehouse job not to come knocking for trouble. Decimants, yes, you will see all sorts of intriguing wonders of science. Uh, Weasels, insects, even our canine friends that have since passed have graciously dedicated their remains to the betterment of mankind. Our vendors and partners across the world, let's say in India, have joined us in providing much-needed skeletal remains to train and educate the brightest minds right here in the U.S. You don't need the same level of access permission to pack these. However, should you receive a call from one of these vendors, better to pass the phone call along to your supervisor than raise questions. Repeat after me, don't go there. 
ignorance can truly be blissful and a blessing. Now, lastly, about those rumors of what is stored inside the warehouse basement, nothing to see here. Rumors are dangerous, like the ones where we're storing bodies in large canisters that house two, four, five trioxin, that a single small exposure to a concentrated amount can kill you and then bring you back to life. Isn't that crazy? If we were to have bins, which we're not saying we do, they belong to the US Army and uh, like we said, are radioactive. These rumors state the symptoms are extremely easy to spot and that a simple trip to the emergency room or an eye wash station will help. Well, they won't ain't on according to rumors. Just remember like uh, loose lip sync ships, curiosity killed the cat. And in this case, multiple city blacks. Oh, okay, so let me level with you. Uh, should you be exposed, you're lucky enough to work not far from a crematorium. We've set up a special partnership with them. Just be careful of any acid rain on your way there as a result of release of 245 trioxin into the air and the mortician will take care of the rest. If that doesn't work, just keep asking for more paramedics. Oh, and one more thing. Uh, the Resurrection Cemetery across the street is no place for a party. Please respect our neighbors. Now that we've said all that, you're now certified to be a part of a long tradition of Needata Warehouse workers. Good luck. Hey, DFM fam, we are back for segment two, horror, etc. cetera. Uh, we are going to go even deeper into Return of the Living Dead as it relates to Jake and his personal connections and stories that he has with his favorite zombie flick. And Jake, we'll start right off. I, I just wanted to ask you, because when we were going over this um, episode, God, we, we decided to start doing this horror pod, the three of us. Um, you know, I'd mentioned Return of the Living Dead. We did a few iterations of the episode guide. And that one, just the the flag went up, the sirens went off. And you said, that's the one. Out of any of these other ones, this is the movie I want to make sure we get on an episode and talk about together. Can you give us a little bit of insight into the first time that you've watched The Return of the Living Dead? Did you discover it on your own or did somebody introduce you to it? Um, I, I'm curious to hear about that. Sure. Um, back in the nineties, um, my dad, um, would go fishing, but my dad also had friends in the area and this is just a little bit North of Pittsburgh. And there was this family called the Rogers. Uh, my dad went to high school with Dave Rogers, senior, may he rest in peace. And he had a house in North park huh. and he had three ponds for fishing in his front yard and he had uh he had a bunch of kids um three boys and a girl the one boy was the same age as me and there were two others that were older and the oldest was davy and davy introduced me to heavy metal like this is judas priest this is metallica this is iron maiden this is black sabbath and he was one of the people who really got me on that on that trip. Well, it was one, I think it was a Sunday afternoon. He's upstairs in his bedroom watching this movie. I could hear it, but I couldn't see it. <laughs> I was still, this might have been like 1993, 1994. And he's talking about, he says, yeah, it's called Return of the Living Dead. It's so intense, man. And he said, zombies, like, guys scream, me want brains. <laughs> and then he told me the ending, how they ended it. And I was just like, oh, my God, that sounds like the most intense movie ever. 
So that planted a seed in my brain. Then, you know, over the, over the years, I finally jumped in and I started watching horror movies and I'm like, I should really watch that. And there was a video store, uh, right down the street from my middle school and intermediate high school called box office video. They had a VHS copy of this. I rented it. This must've been like 99 ish blew me away. It was, it had nudity. It had great kills. It was funny. The soundtrack. I mean, it, this movie didn't just sort of show up. It kicked the door down and jumped right in your face. And I loved it. Now, Jake, you said this was like around 99. So you weren't, um, you weren't technically of age yet. Was your, was your place pretty lenient on the R rated rentals? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> by, <laughs> by a certain point, it was like, yeah, we're not going to be able to stop. Put it this way, people. Uh, I walked into the room when my parents were watching Silence of the Lambs. And I got to see probably the worst scene a six-year-old should see. <laughs> All I can say is, goodbye, horses. I'm flying over you. Saw that, turned right around, walked right out of the room. I was like, nope, I'm not ready for that. I don't know what that was. Too many things. Are... But yeah, but no, but my parents were also, they did a really good job of saying, this is real. This is not real. You're not an idiot. You know, we taught, we raised you to think. And yeah, they gave yeah. me a lot of freedom. And this one, it's kind of half comedy. So yeah. But yeah, so I saw it and I was blown away by it. Then I found out something which scared the hell out of me. I found out that this film had a very bad term tied to it. That bad term being out of print. Ooh, yeah. Box office video closed because they had been in the business for years. They didn't want to continue on and have to change their inventory all over to DVD. They gracefully mm-hmm. bowed out. Problem was, so did two or three other video stores around that time. I was shit out of luck. And this was before we got digital cable. This was before streaming services. So when the hell was I going to see this again? Well, in the summer of 2002, right before some of us were about to tra- uh, travel to Indiana County, wink, wink, <laughs> I'm reading an issue of Fangoria, and I find in the back, coming soon from MGM DVD, Return of the Living Dead. Oh, thank God, making its debut DVD release. A couple of months go by. I would go home every other week. Okay. But what we would do is, because I used to have a family member who lived in West Catanning, we would stop at an amazing restaurant called Benello's. They had a smorgasbord buffet, and we would stop Wait. there on Sundays for dinner So on the um, way to dropping me off to go back to school for the week. They had a In case, maybe you can help me with yeah. this. That one restaurant that's right off of 422, is that, what was that called? No, it's it's like literally right off of 422. Oh, gosh. There's I, more I, than one. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, Carrie, my, 
Yeah, I I don't know because like I I lived right off of 422 all the way south of Lawrence County. But it's so it's in like, the tanning. It's in the tanning. That's what <laughs> yeah, I'm. Yeah, 422 I'm stretches far. Yeah. This was. Well, this was in West Catanning, which is actually up on the ridge across the river from Catanning proper. Like I know which one. Cross, yeah. You'd have to cross the bridge, well, go through downtown Catanning yeah. and go up it to yes, get on the 422 yes. okay, that proper. Place. Okay. Because yeah, Carrie, I know which um, one you're talking about, Carrie. That uncle, was more like they a They used to live in, in Catanning. Yeah. Yeah. So. We would we would go oh, really? and meet at that one restaurant right off of four twenty two in Catanning, cool. and yeah. then I would go. Quick question. Might Quick question: have. The restaurant off four twenty two did it have a giant cow? It was a burger planet? place. Yeah. Yes. Hey, Carrie, it was a bur- it was a burger place. Okay. Yes. Wait, did it have a giant cowboy in front of it? Yes. That's the cadet yeah. restaurant. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah you got a good memory. I've stopped there. Amazing okay. steak sandwich. Yeah, that's on the other side of the river. Yeah, that is off of 422 proper. I mm-hmm. do know what you're talking about. There used to be a Trader Horn there. There's now a Sheets next to the cadet restaurant. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yes, Man, ma'am. You guys are making me nostalgic as hell over here. Um, about the okay, restaurant. So, Sorry. Oh, oh, so, so, okay. So, Jake, you were... You were finishing out a story. Um, yeah. I was at the Walmart. Well, I was at the Walmart because mm-hmm. uh, I I would allow myself to get a couple of cases of IBC root beer to put in my fridge. And I'm standing at the checkout, and I turn to my left. There's Return of the Living Dead on DVD. Wow. Twenty bucks. Right Twenty bucks back then too. <laughs> no, actually, no, wow. no, no, it was ten. It was ten. Oh, 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 wow. Okay, so and it was right at the <laughs> register. I didn't even have a DVD player, and I bought it. Threw it on there. I get back to IUP. It's still it's still daylight. I put my stuff away. I run out of Wallace Hall. Um, run. Uh, I'll run up Grant Street. Okay. I run down into the into the gully where um where Stuart Turnbull and Mac were. Yeah. Go into Stuart. Kick open my buddy Davey's room, dorm room. Said, we're watching this. He's like, I got homework. We're watching this. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and we sat and watched it. He's like, Whoa. <laughs> what was this? I'm like, this is probably the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> and <laughs> I took that on a trip with me to Baltimore that Thanksgiving to go see Sonic Youth. And we're sitting in my buddy's apartment outside of Baltimore and we're watching it. And it's just, I would spread the gospel of that film. I would say, I got the movie. You just got to supply the player. And you know, the guy, you know, the guy in Halloween four that Loomis like hitches a ride with, like, I'm imagining you going from town to town with this DVD. But that's those are some really fun stories too. I, I've got some other time. I've got a couple of uh, movies, and, and mine's more like um, like indie, like early two thousands, early twenty tens indie stories about spreading the word. Uh, especially All Hallows Eve and um, and uh, 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 the House of the Devil. That those two are ones that I I really tried to get as many people to watch as I possibly could. 
But um, now there's a specific date, Jake, associated with this movie. And that date is July 3rd. It's it's right there in font at the beginning of the movie. When we see that you need a, a medical supply store for the first, excuse me, warehouse for the first time. Um, do you watch this every July 3rd or thereabouts? Yes. Is that like a yes? yes. That's a must. Yes. Okay. Happens. Okay. I, I watch the movie. I share the. I share something on social media, dude. I'll leave it at this. I don't really own too many DVDs. This movie, I have the DVD. I have the soundtrack. I have the T-shirt. That should show you how serious I am about this film. Hey, well, speaking of soundtrack, with this one, um, <laughs> tell us just a little bit about the soundtrack. I know that's a very broad question for, for this one that you love T- tell us a little bit about it, why it kicks ass and tell us a little bit about a, a personal connection. I know that's something that we wanted to make sure we, we put out there and shared with everybody too. Well, uh, basically you can tell from the big scene when the zombies first come break ground in the cemetery that music is going to play a huge part of this film. I mean, the theme is really cool, but okay. But when that song party time by 45 grave comes and the skeleton opens its eyes and its jaw, and it goes, do you want a party? It's I mean, it's just bam. <laughs> and it's like, Oh my God. And it's just these heavy, heavy riffs. And all these really cool punk songs. Then when there's the siege inside the cemetery, the the funeral home, they're blasting the cramps, and you know Jet Black Berries, you know the Tall Boys, um, Trash is dancing in the cemetery to SSQs. Tonight we're gonna make love till we die, and has that you know awesome kind of rap verse to it. It's just, it's truly going hand in hand with music, more so than. I think any other zombie movie was at that time where it wasn't just a really good score. Like I'm not trying to discredit zombie in any way, shape or form. God bless those people. But um, this was, Hey, here's a bunch of essentially LA punk bands and outsider rock. And here we're going to put it next to the gnarliest horror movie footage you've possibly ever seen. And, uh, and yeah. And then, (laughs) One song in particular played during a very emotional scene of the movie with James Karen when he's about to immolate himself in the crematorium. Yeah. It just sounded like the most evil song. So burn! (laughs) Burn the flames! I'm like, what is that? So can I I step in for a second with that moment, Jake? Um how about at the beginning, rewinding to the beginning of the movie? Uh, yeah, where I'll be home in an hour. He is on the phone with his wife, and, and he tells her, what does he tell her? To keep the pot roast warm for me? Yep. Yeah. I, and and so when that scene pops up for me, I'm like, God damn it. I, that's the last time his wife ever is going to hear mm-hmm. from him. Yeah. Which makes that yeah. scene hit pretty hard for me. Uh-huh. And he takes his wedding ring off, I, kisses I, I, it. It on the switch. I, I no, just going to say, like that see, scene in why... the end, you can really tell. Oh, go ahead. 
that that character he really loved his wife he really loved her he the one thing he wishes most he doesn't want to hurt anybody so rather than trying to hurt he does never goes full zombie rather than trying to hurt somebody he decides to destroy himself yeah and that's not something that you saw on that level very much which is why whenever you gave it um uh 3.5 and you said it was due to your personal preference i i just wanted to hear more why because like i said it's just this was such a big you know 10 out of 10 for me i just want to hear more about like what your critiques are because like i said so i want to know if there's maybe something for me like there was there there was a scene in the the mortuary where they're talking about i need a favor i need a favor and then he shows him the the hand of the zombie and it grabs on to the mortuary uh um mortician yeah ernie and it rips off his um the mortician scrubs and the whole scene about just him sitting there and it's a while where he's cutting that part of Uh the scrubs off for me yeah yeah, uh-huh. for me, it's, it's just uh, like, is it, isn't it his, do we really uh, need to legs? just sit here yeah, for like for two stuff, minutes yeah. and watch yeah. him cut? You know. Okay. Okay. Um, I got a story on that. A story on that. Um, I also, this is also one of the few movies I watched with the commentary, and it was, and it was commentary from the production designer and Dan O'Bannon before he passed away. And I always kind of wondered, that's kind of a weird scene, too. Um, he improvised that. Don Calfa was just sitting. Because if you take a look at um, Clue Gulliger and I think it's Clue Gulliger and Tom Matthews. Or, or no, it's Clue Gulliger, James Karen are standing. And um, and uh, Don Calfa, as Ernie, is sitting there and he's cutting this off. Watch their expressions. They don't know what the okay. hell is going on. They don't know what the hell he's doing. And Dan's like, oh, I loved this scene. He just improvised that. I liked it so much. It was so random. It was not in the script, but I'm like, I can't get rid of this. That was one of those moments where it was just, well, his character, it it showed you how his character thought. This happened. This is happening. This is the action I'm going to take. I've cut it off. All right, let's go solve your problem. Okay. Yeah. So let me throw in my thoughts on that real quick, too. And then, Carrie, you can finish obviously but um he uh clues character uh basically he owes him a big one for disposing of the parts and so he's showing him it's like oh god look at how much i have to do oh this is the point where i'm even having to cut off pieces of my clothes look how inconvenienced i am so he's he's like kind of elongating like Oh yeah, gosh, look what I'm having to go through here. You really going to owe me here. So that's how kind of I I took that. But um, so what other I, I do uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Kind of like I do like the characters. I do think that the characters make you feel, but I feel like the characters definitely needed to be developed a little bit more. Like and not like not Freddy and not Ernie. 
um, and not Bert or Frank. Those characters are really well thought out. But I just feel like, you know, all the punk rockers, I just feel like they're like, they're fillers. I feel like they're fillers. Okay. Okay. So how does this compare? Because I thought about this because I knew we were going to circle back. How does this compare to something for you like Dawn of the Dead that yeah. that is like so, two plus hours, especially if you... You watch like that. I think more in general. Yeah, I I really feel like I mean, this could have been fleshed out more. more? Just more in general. And 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 just my opinion. And like for me, I do tend to like the older style movies. It's just it's kind of like my preference. It's more more me. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, well, if if I if I may, so you just yeah. think that you wanted a little bit more depth and a little bit more backstory in some more of the punk characters. You know, I I think that's fair. I I think when you put it that way, that's definitely fair. I I know I would have wanted a little bit more. I was okay with what was seen, but you know what? If they were to have gone that route, I don't think it would have been too much. I I, I actually would have welcomed that too. So yeah, okay. I. I, I could agree, I could agree with that. You know, I thought it was good. She didn't, but I totally see where she's coming from. And yeah, if they would have had a little more money, a little more time, I, I'd yeah. have been cool with seeing yeah. more, getting more of a backstory. Like why Jewel Shepard hates Chuck's character so much. I kind mm-hmm. of wouldn't mind that. I mean, yeah, he's kind of dorky, and yeah, you can tell he's really trying to get in there, but. It seems like she really doesn't like him. Or maybe why suicide acts like, you know, he has like, a 14 pound yeah. hemorrhoid like, up his ass. Why is that film, the dynamic? Even when trash is hurling herself at him. <laughs> yeah. No, I, okay. I agree. I'm okay with it as it is, but I see where you're coming from. And if I, and if, and if more footage and I think I was older that, when I first saw that, this yeah, movie. Yeah, I'd love to see so, that. I'd love to see that me, make the movie even being better. Being older, seeing oh, this movie, I I think it has every. It matters when you see a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely, hundred percent. Like what frame of mind you're in, where you are in life. Like oh, oh there's some of those, yeah, like, and there's some of yeah, those I'm like happy I saw I didn't before see we this had until kids, now. where I'm like, oh, I have a hard time at that now watching that yeah. now. Yeah. So, um, so we've reached consensus on on uh, Carrie's uh, score, which I'm glad. I'm glad because that we we've kind of like we needed to flesh that out. Um, the the personal connection, Jake, we're going to circle back to the soundtrack. Can you tell us a little bit more about Burn the Flames and what that particular track well, means to you? I hate to have to do this, but the personal connection regarding that song and that performer will be revealed in a future um, Midnight Traveler segment because that very thing alone merits its own little segment. 
Gotcha. All that I can say is it was a tale that started with this film and ended with a memorial service in a backyard of a house off of Slaughter Avenue in Austin, Texas. Um, some <sighs> 19 years later. That's all I can really say. Gotcha. No, that, so you'll have to that's stick good. with us mm-hmm. and keep up with us because I will be more than happy to tell the story, but I felt that I would really shortchange it here. I'll do also a longer letter for the story of me discovering this. I gave you the Cliff's Notes version here, but the connection to the song Burn the Flames and the artist Rocky Erickson, mm-hmm. well, that's there's a lot more to that tale to tell, so keep it so here. So I'll, I'll just I'll finish this part up by saying, uh, listener, that Jake turned me on to Rocky Erickson um, for the first time while we were discussing this movie. And Carrie can attest how many times she would catch me sitting out on the deck listening yeah. to Rocky Erickson for the first time. And uh, the same, and when I say you're playing it again, you're playing times, the like, same playing song again. Like, I again. just love it. I just freaking love it. I love Rocky. <laughs> well, spe- specifically, specifically three songs, okay? And I yes, I some other time we'll go on a um, a Rocky Erickson career kick. But um, one more thing about Return of the Living Dead, Jake. You had mentioned watching this. Is there something that is a must-have when you are doing either just watching it at home or doing like a Return of the Living Dead party? Uh, is there a proper way to go about consuming this film? No, uh, just as long as you have a good television, a good copy, just that's it. I mean, there's this movie, I think, brings so much to the table on its own. I can't really think of too many things I would what, need what to kind have of food with me would to make the experience better because I feel that most of that heavy lifting is done by the film itself. Gotcha. Uh, I I would kind of usually whenever I have people over and we party. Ooh. Um, well, pizza or Chinese? Yeah. Or um, if we're going to really go with it and really have like a party party, uh, we're breaking out the grill. Yeah. And uh, hey. we're us- we're going to be grilling chicken, burgers, dogs, making some homemade macaroni and cheese. I want I, I want to ribs the now, Kate. I want like, to ribs. I'm getting very hungry listening to this, but but um no. It, it's very <laughs> literal. You haven't so made ribs in a long time. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> well, woman was man, made from man's ribs. Oh, no. But Jake, <laughs> the one thing I haven't heard and and correct me if I if I misheard this have you seen this in the movie theater? I have not. Okay. And I wasn't given sure. The chance, I heard... Given the chance, I will do it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because that's important. That's an important thing to note, given how much love that's coming from you on this one. So. Oh yeah. No, it's, well, it's like I talked about um, in the Friday the 13th episode. 
if you get a chance to see one of these movies on a big screen, especially if they're talking about a really good print, see it. I mean, okay. seeing it on a big screen is an experience in and do of itself. You have to check it out if you're lucky enough to, to catch it. So we're going to move right along to the the settings. Is there something you want to note about like a favorite setting in this? I mean, we've we've only got a few to choose from, Jake, but is there is there something about one particular place within this movie that works for you? I just think the uh, the, the the graveyard itself. I mean, it was. It was an old olive farm, which has now been turned to surprise a residential neighborhood. Huh. But I love the way they dressed it. Like I thought the production design did a really great job of making it look ominous, like it was right out of an EC comic or yeah. the background to an episode of Scooby Doo. Yeah. No, I thought that was that was really cool. But then also you gotta mention a medical supply warehouse with cadavers split dogs and you know you see the butterflies start moving when they're nailed to the yes yeah everything works everything works <laughs> well and they've got even a spooky uh, little backstory about the skeletons coming from like a skeleton farm in india that was creepy too how many people do you know who die oh. with a perfect set of chompers I'll tell <laughs> you must be skeleton farms down in india. um yeah. so carrie how I about you what, what's your favorite uh, setting in this movie I love the containment of the, and I know it's at the end. I love the containment of the attic. I love that yes. Freddy, it's ending where he's coming up to eat them and they have no way out. Yeah. As the nukes going off. Yeah. Yep. I, I like that. My, my actually is Ernie's place. I, I, I just, I, I know Carrie, that's kind of like the start of your slow period for this movie. Um, but I just love that we are finding out that these zombies are pretty damn hard to get rid of. And let me say something else about Ernie's place. And Jake, maybe you have an answer to this. Um, is he purposely, is this character in this situation? And maybe I'm way off here. Just let me know. Is he a Nazi in hiding? That's what Dan O'Bannon was trying to put across. And, you know, he's listening to the, the German music. He has the Luger. He has the pipe. And he may, says that German thing when the rain's coming down. Yeah. My whole thing is just kind of... I love the way Don Kalfa played it. But it's just... I don't think there was enough other than a few visual clues to show that he was, but it was just kind of like, we didn't need this. Uh, far as I'm concerned, he's just some dude who likes a German handgun, likes listening to classical music and smoking a pipe. Yeah. I, I, I actually thought that was like, and the only way you can really find that out, like a call Ernie Colton Brunner. Okay. So he's got a German last name. So do I, but yeah. that doesn't necessarily make me an escape Nazi. I just, that was something yeah. I think they were toying with and they tried putting in there, but I don't think really went anywhere. No. And it wasn't oh, until somebody there, like... Okay. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. Hello, are hello, hello, hello. It's still here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so the last thing I heard was, <laughs> I'm, Ger I'm German. That doesn't necessarily make me a Nazi. That's where we cut off. Okay. All right. I'll cut back in. Three, two, one. And yeah, that doesn't necessarily make me a Nazi, but I mean, it's just... 
I think other than a few visual cues, I think it was a half-baked idea that was just sort of put in there. And the only way I heard about it was by listening to the DVD commentary or watching the well, no, documentary see, that, about that tidbit, it. That tidbit, I do I, find interesting. I don't think it was necessary to be there. And that so, yeah, I just... Because it, it makes sense why he's fascinated mm-hmm. with the death. The death of people and the whole deal about the rigor mortis and how he would be fascinated by rigor mortis. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that that's a little neat little tidbit for me. And how to break it out. Yeah. So oh, I think it's a neat little tidbit, but I don't yeah. think the fact that he might be a Nazi still makes it any less neat, though. Yeah, but I do think it's a really that was a really cool scene. I really love that part. So Jake, admittedly, we're gonna we're gonna um, let's talk about the sequels just for a hot minute because sure. I have only I've only watched part two. I have not watched beyond that. I watched part two, and I'm like, okay, I didn't hate it. No, but I, I didn't have it. We've no. got Tom Matthews returning in a different role. Carrie, I don't think you've even watched part two, have you? Okay. Well, you're missing another thing. You got Tom Matthews returning to a different role. You have James Karen returning to a different role. Mm-hmm. Okay. Messed up thing is those roles aren't very mm. different from what they were in the first. I can tell you why that happened. Japanese distributors. They said we will give you an obscene amount of money to make this, but you need to bring those two characters essentially back. One was died in a nuclear explosion. The other one was burned alive in a crematorium and also in a nuclear explosion. <laughs> you got to bring them back. So long story short, I mean, it still has a great soundtrack. Uh, Anthrax shows up on the soundtrack. It's really awesome. Robert Palmer shows up on the soundtrack. It's really awesome. But it's a watered down, extremely watered down version of the first one because there's a very similar scene, Tina scene in this one where it's like, you gotta let me eat your brains and it's watered down we've seen it it's been done it doesn't have the impact the first one did they tried they tried leaning more a little bit more towards humor but it's just it doesn't doesn't quite hit it for me third one imagine if this movie Mm. was a very dark tragic romance really it's a very interesting concept. This one has a lot of fans. It really does. But it just kind of seems like, all right, well, they play the military angle in the beginning. That's how the trioxin gets out again. But it affects this girl, this this guy's girlfriend, and she's like this. And it was well acted, but I just don't think the story really ever got off the ground. No humor in it pretty much really to me at all. And then four and five were literally made back to back with the exact same casts in Eastern Europe for pennies on the dollar. But, you know, Necropolis, same cast. Then Return of Dead Part Five, Rave into the Grave, same cast playing different people. Okay. Yeah, it's just, I, I couldn't get past the first 25, 30 minutes of part four. And I saw the trailer for part five and I'm just like, I'm just going to take a knee. <laughs> but that's just me, folks. If you want to see it, 
I implore you to check it out on your own. But as far as I'm concerned, the first one is perfect. And I don't feel the need to go any further. But make up your own mind. Gotcha. Now let's let's turn our attention overall to some better zombie flicks. Jake, can you give us like, I don't know, a top five list of your favorite zombie flicks? <laughs> well, I know I told you before we recorded, take it down to top five, but while you were talking, I was able to squeak out a 10. <laughs> oh, nice. A bonus. Okay. Um, 10. Well, I can tell you right now, I'll start at the, okay. I'll start at number one and go down because the top three are locked. Like I don't okay. see those changing. Uh, but I don't know. Four might change. Um, s- number six on here is six with a bullet. All right. Um, but it's just, it was kind of hard because what constitutes a zombie movie? You know, there's a lot of movies that kind of, it gets kind of blended. Yeah. Like here, I'll just go into it. Number one, Return of the Living Dead. Nice. That's number one for me. Like I said, number two, I think is the best zombie movie ever made because it's just, you had zombie movies before this oh, wow. and you had zombie movies after this, the original night of the living dead. Oh, I mean, wow. Okay. The original night of the living dead. I mean, it's, it's a hallmark. It's in the library of Congress for a reason. And Filmed in my hometown, it's such a point of pride. It's beautiful. It's dark. It's edgy, and it still holds up. Agreed. Number three, got to go through Romero again. Dawn <laughs> of the Dead, filmed in a mall. I've shopped in. I have a guitar from the guitar center I bought there. <laughs> the great movie. It's it's slow paced, but it's just it really gets you to meditate on how this impacts people. Number four was one I discovered in. Ash Hall from my buddy Cave on and his little closet of horror movies. I found it as let sleeping corpses lie, but also living dead at the Manchester morgue. Awesome. And to be noted. Yeah. And, and Jake, uh, you introduced us to that movie this this past year. I remember watching that movie and be like, wow, this is, this is way too good to be as unknown as it is. Truly, truly great movie. Uh, five, uh, Romero's Dawn, Day of the Dead. Once okay. again, it's, I'm sorry, the, the, the original, the original Romero trilogy, it wrote the rules. And this one, you know, I have it, my criticisms of it, but I understand what it was going for. It may not have been entirely successful, but I still think it's a brilliant piece of film. I agree. And here comes number yeah, six with Bullet trained to Bassan. When we watched it. I was... Just- not prepared for that to be as good as it was. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it literally made me cry. Same. Okay. Uh, number seven. Now, this is where. This is Jake, one where are you there? Felt, yeah, I'm still here. Okay. What do you got? Okay. What do you have for uh, number seven? All right. Uh, pass me back in. Three, two, one. Number seven. Okay. This is where it got a little muddy because they're kind of dead. But are they uh, reanimator? Oh, nice! They're 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 kind of zombies. And they're moving fast, and great script, great story, killer cast. Uh, number eight, I have no oh, problem. Oh yeah, we we uh, love Shaun saying of the Dead. that this is a legitimate zombie movie. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, saw it in the theater, um, and 
the second half of the movie, uh, when they're in the siege, you know, there's still comedic elements, but that becomes, you know, you're like, oh, they took that scene from Day of the Dead, and oh, it's getting really serious. And I, really I love great, that they yeah. they used a lot of the uh, the musical library from Dawn of the Dead too in that movie. I, I and love also, and also literally, we're coming to get you, Barbara. Yeah, Foley <laughs> Electronics. Um, yeah. Ash isn't able to make it into work today. Yeah, just go back and see if you can catch all the Easter eggs. Uh, number nine, this is also kind of zombie adjacent. David Cronenberg's Rabbit. Ooh, Carrie, that's oh. very fresh for you because we, I, I, I told you, Jake, we just, uh, I introduced her to Shivers and I said we got to do Rabbit next. We almost watched it last night, but we didn't. Yeah. I was shivers doesn't count because they don't Ugh. even come close to dying. They just become yeah. horny, crazy sex monsters, AKA teenagers again. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then at number 10, um, I felt kind of remiss not having one of the films by this director in this list. I think okay. a few years ago, this would have been higher. That. Yeah. Uh, Lucio Fulci zombie. Oh yeah. Love that one. Great kill. Great kills. Um, I appreciate a more coherent storyline, which is why the Beyond, Gates of Hell, or House by the Cemetery didn't make the list. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, I was going to have a, a throw in just a couple honorable mentions for me. I won't go through like a top five or ten, yeah. um, because you mentioned a lot of mine already. But um, I, I actually, um, one that people have... Um, not really loved a whole lot, but I actually found myself land of the dead. I, I know that's not part of the original trilogy, but that is an honorable mention for me. I, I do enjoy it quite a bit. It actually gets better with time for me. Oh, I agree. I agree. I, I, I saw it opening night, future episode of Midnight Traveler goes to the movies, people. Nice. And um, we did mention Dawn of the dead. Oh, four. And then I'll just mention one more. Um, it, it really, I was surprised about yeah. how much I like this one, but I'm actually going to mention, um, speaking of the O4 remake, Army of the Dead uh, on Netflix. I actually had just in terms of a, a zombie movie yeah, that's just pure I, fun. I mean, that's an action. The the, the kids really movie. love those uh, movies, and, and I loved it. I haven't seen that one yet, and I think I should. Cool. Yeah. It, so, I mean, obviously, because of the director, it, it's got a lot of the same energy as the uh, the O four remake, and and actually, I think is even better. Oh, I, I love, um, and this is where I. So, anyways, I yeah, I love I warm bodies. I don't know Carrie, what it is. Anything else you want about to warm bodies? But I love that movie. <laughs> if I may, I avoided that movie like the plague for years. My wife told me about it, and um, she's like, it's actually kind of good. And I sat and watched it. They said, you know what? It is good. I enjoyed it. They're not technically dead. They had this illness which makes them dead-like, and then it gets reversed. So that I was actually considering putting that somewhere on the list, but it's... It's like 99.9% of the way to being a zombie movie for me, but it just doesn't quite get there. Yeah. But I got to say, bottom line, I like it. It's very well done. And I I would watch it again. 
So let me, um, I recommend if you haven't watched it on uh, Netflix too, Jake, the, uh, not a movie, but the series black summer. I don't know if you've caught that at all. Um, but I, I recommend that one. And then I'm actually just going to go slightly negative for a second. I know, and that's not something we normally do here, but, um, there's one that's supposed to be dry. Um, there's some kind of social commentary on it. Um, a lot of people, I see a lot of people talking about the dead don't die. Oh, and I, yeah. I just can't get into that. It feels just too slow for me. Well, here's the way I can. I'm familiar with the way Jim Jarmusch likes to make his movies. I'm familiar with the, the tone he likes to use. This is Jim Jarmusch making a movie and just being like, hey, this is a zombie movie. This is how I would think it would be. And you can tell that in certain parts of the movie, Bill Murray is talking about Jim Jarmusch. Adam Driver is talking about Jim Jarmusch. Tilda Swinton, I'm pretty sure she just said, I want to be in a movie where I carry a sword. Okay, <laughs> go. Yeah. Here's some references to Goulardi. The movie mm -hmm. ends. There's yep. a theme song. There you go. That's the way he kind of makes movies to me. Not necessarily evil, but... I was kind of like, when I watched it, I said, yeah, this is going to piss a lot of people off. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, I don't have strong feelings about it, but I'm just like, okay, okay. Like, I even thought there was social commentary about, you know, if you're already stuck, if you're stuck in a sleepy small town kind of place, your kind of life is already over anyways. Yeah, I got you know? that too. Yeah, so I, I that part I appreciate, but I'm like, there's, I love the... Carrie, what you're talking about, the old timey, for lack of a better phrase, approach to a zombie film. That's where I, I do love things like Dawn of the Dead. That's my favorite one, the original. I do like when things slow down in a movie like that, especially if you're talking about surviving the uh, a zombie apocalypse. There probably would be parts once you get settled in and you think you have a, an increased chance of surviving it probably will get boring in some parts, especially because there's not as many things to do or people is around. So I get that. But yeah, the dead don't die. Yeah. That, um, no, I any other thoughts there, it. Carrie, before I, I wrap it up? I we, wanted we to mention to the, the warm bodies and like the army of the dead. Cause the, the kids really, okay. really liked that. They did. They really enjoyed it. Okay. So and now guys, in the future, we might be having the kiddos on this thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, they've they were on a couple of episodes. They were on our Demon Knight episode, um, yeah. <clears throat> where they dished on that. But yeah, we're we're gonna have to get them on. <clears throat> maybe we'll do like a maybe we can get the <laughs> wife on for you, Jake. We can have a big group going for what for an episode. Yeah, um, children are the future. That's right. Uh, so now, guys, since this is the, we're wrapping up our last episode of our first ever Halloween month, uh, Jake kindly reminded me that said hey uh I, I really like to find out what was trick-or-treating like for you and carrie when when you were growing up so i just have a few halloween questions uh that jake had helped me with <clears throat> i'm gonna start off with you jake this is your ideas and and dfm listeners you guys let us know on our socials you know what do you enjoy uh what are some of your trick-or-treat traditions so jake um what was trick-or-treat like for you as a kid growing up like, is there, awesome. a, is, is there a costume um, you remember um, fondly or is, is, and the other thing I want to know, 
Am I crazy, or was there a time when we trick or treat as kids? Really? But there was no two hour time limit. <laughs> uh, there was always a two hour time limit, at least really? in Allegheny County. Yeah, okay. there was always. We got to see. I'm from. Okay. Yeah. From Newcastle. You're from essentially Johnstown. I'm from the Pittsburgh metro area. Yeah. Way more people. Way more dense. And um, and yeah, it was no, it was great. Um. I went as Jason Voorhees a couple of times because let's face it, by the time I was old enough, by the time I was like in my middle school, I was similar dimensions to Kane Hodder. <laughs> so it was kind of frightening. Nice. Nice. And I had a, a glow in the dark plastic machete that I could also use as a flashlight. But, um, but yeah, it was great. Um, there was a couple of years where my house sat uh, five houses away from the border between Ross Township and McCandless Township. And there were a couple of years where Ross would have their trick-or-treating the 30th and McCandless would always have the 31st. So I could go out for two nights and hit two different neighborhoods. There was that for a couple of years. But um, there was one year, it was 90, it was 93. 94 we had snow and the snow and we have a very hilly neighborhood and it got to the point where we were like me my brother my sister and the stevens twins we were the only people out in our neighborhood so by the so we'd get to a house like well since you're the last of the kids here's all the candy so jake that i remember that year and way up in newcastle we had that same storm too yeah, and I actually, I this was one of my non horror costume years. Actually, my one buddy went as Batman, and I went as Robin. And to be clear, it wasn't the Robin with the tiny green speedos. Oh damn it! Yeah, <laughs> but no, I remember that a lot of people did the same thing. They're like, hey, "Yeah, here you go," and they would just like they wanted to close in for the night. So they yeah. dumped all the candy. I remember that. That's so yeah, awesome. And, and, that and it got so bad that my brother sent me back to the house. We couldn't close the bags anymore. We couldn't carry them. So sent me back to the house. We got the ra- we yeah. got the wagon. Yeah, we I had to put the bags yeah, of candy so, in the wagon. So, Jake, to just carry to give you perspective, where I grew up. What about you? What, what um, are some of your the, after I was five, we we had we lived um, closer to Johnstown, and it was in a valley. We moved up when I was five to where my parents still live now, which is on top of a mini oh, mountain. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Stop talking about goats. The, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, where the men are men and the goats are scared. <laughs> no, no. I, I hate goats. I absolutely hate Yeah, don't hate be such a bad Sorry. boy. Uh-huh. Sorry. I, I was attacked okay. by no, a goat, don't Jake, go track, so Harry. just to put don't it in go off track. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, no, no goat talk. Seriously. Okay, no okay. problem. I don't want to yeah. make, I, I don't so, want to bring up any trauma for anybody. Case, you're an asshole. Okay, so, and again, <laughs> we get snow, a okay, lot of snow. So when there's snow, sometimes you're not going out. I mean, that's how bad it, it can get, and icy, and can get, and it, we lived around a co- the corner So as you're going down the mountain, the start of going down the mountain is where my parents live. So many accidents happen. I'm not even kidding you. Like, I can't tell you how many times we lost power because of some person didn't slow down going around the corner. 
And it was always the case. And you're just like, come on, people, slow down. So, yeah, that's just my rant. Sorry. Um, but I remember two two Halloweens in particular. <laughs> One, I went as Betty Rubble from the Flintstones. And my friend at the time went as Wilma. And her mom was really good at sewing. And she made the costumes for us. Yeah, it was it was really like to the T. It was it was that, that awesome. awesome. And that was a warmer Halloween. So we got to walk around and we went down trick-or-treating where she lived, which was down in like uh, a hollow. So and it was really close with the next neighboring school district. So we got to do uh-huh. the two and one. Um, but we had to drive everywhere, Jake, where I grew up. You had to drive because it was so massive, the amount of error area that you could trick or treat. And so being that there wasn't as many people yeah, in yeah. the distance to get to houses, we drove. We always had someone drive us for the most part. And there was no time limit. Wow. No time limit. Like I can remember being out like ten thirty at night oh, as a kid, driving around out here, wild, out here in the wild. Yeah. But my favorite, awesome. my favorite costume so, was the last time now. I went trick or treating. Yeah. So, so I feel like I was twelve, and I was tall for a twelve-year-old. So, my mom had me try on her wedding dress. It fit for the most part. And so I, she, she just, she cut it off a little bit. It was a little long. So she cut it so that I could wear it on the bottom. I was a dead bride. Makeup and everything. Awesome. Your pictures of this? It was my, the last, I went out on the Like that was my favorite costume, dead bride. You know, I don't know that I have any because my mom, you she can't put find all her albums. That website. I have. I have. Tell her to start looking. If she, if she <laughs> loves you, tell her to start looking. So if I'll, that doesn't I'll work, tell... it go to violence. <laughs> so I'll just be, I'll be real quick with mine here. Um, so I, mine kind of feels like so, it sits somewhere in between kind of your two situations growing up. I, I was you know, only 45 minutes outside of Pittsburgh. I was in a rural slash, some of it was, you could say suburban, but I was not rural as you carry. So we actually had the classic kind of eighties and nineties neighborhoods. Everybody had, you know, half an acre, acre, kind of like where we live right now, Carrie, we, you know, all the houses were built in the late seventies, early eighties. And you could, you could walk from, you know, Basically, I would say for a few miles in either direction, you would have multiple neighborhoods and um, you would have some woods in between some of the neighborhoods, but um, and some farms here and there. But um, we did not have a set time frame, probably until the until I lucked out until the time that I was done trick or treating, which I think the last time I went trick or treating, I think I was 14, maybe. 
um, just as a kid, not counting taking the kids now as an adult. But um, but no, the the one uh, Halloween uh, actually uh, uh, Kevin uh, that I grew up with down the road who uh, went to IUP with us. Um, Beef stew. <laughs> Um, he, I can't believe you said that. I've got memories flooding back now, but, uh, one of the last Halloweens, I don't think it was, the, it was maybe the next, the last one we were just like, so getting to that, like, you know, preteen or seventh grade kind of jadedness. It was like, okay, we're going to be super lazy about our costumes, but try to get as much candy as we possibly can. So we basically just wore all black. I had, um, this like red devil mask, the latex mask. He had some kind of like ugly looking clown mask. And we would go to the same house twice and just switch out masks. And and so that's all we would do. And there was this one house that they, they were giving up the big full size candy bars. Wait, did you switch masks? So we Ooh. hit that house up multiple, yeah. multiple times that night. Um, I, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. what I said. Yeah. Switch masks. That way we were like, okay, you, you get the gist of it. But um, that night was the only time there's kind of that old kind of thing about Halloween where you see in the movies, like an older kid stealing somebody's candy. That year was the only year I ever saw that happen. Some bullies stealing a kid's candy. The poor kid, oh. I think he had have only been in second or third grade. And these were like, seventh or eighth yeah. graders that did it to him so i remember i, I gave up like those half kids, my candy to even as a kid that year because i felt so why you're a good person case oh thank you yeah oh we 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 there was multiple people on that kid and then what happened was people found out who it was people took and i shit you not <laughs> took lunch meat put it all over his car and then put saran wrap on it. So then what happened was uh, the son cooked it on and peeled the paint on the yep. jackass's car. Yep. do it. Yep. So I don't think he deserved uh, destruction of personal property in return yes, for did. stealing candy. Yes, he did. <laughs> he did. Yes, he, he did. did. Okay. Yes, That's he did. Okay. I, I think no, you I, think I would have threatened violence. You don't steal First. candy from children. True. Yeah, oh, I was I was ready for you to say, well, considering that you're from Newcastle, I'm like, yeah, they shot him to death a couple of days later. <laughs> they, shot him to, they shot him to death, and the cops looked the other way. <laughs> no, the cops got the ammunition, and then Frank Cadence came along and used his body in ritualistic murder. <laughs> <laughs> now, the thing that I wanted to to say as we're about to wrap it up here is. Um, what were the top candies that you got? Because I remember vividly the top three. I mean, they they would make up about twenty five percent of of the hall in in, in 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 the outskirts of Pittsburgh. In no particular order: Reese's Cups, Snickers, and Kit Kat. Nice. Okay. Those were the those were without question the biggest ones. I think maybe um. Milky Ways and Nestle's Crunch would maybe round out that top five. But go what ahead, were some Chase. of the? You go. What was usually the big, the most you'd take home of of a certain candy? Oh, so I, Jake, I'm with you on the Reese's Cups. 
Okay, so that's actually my number one. Um, I actually was fortunate enough that when my sisters were still doing it when I was really little, neither one of them liked the chocolate peanut butter combo. They gave me their entire haul. So I had like three people's worth of haul of Reese's Cups. Stick them in the fridge, eat them cold. Love Reese's Cups. Tell your sisters personally, what the hell's wrong with them? I'm Don't still like, I'm still asking that to this day, trust me. <laughs> my goodness. So here's another one. And this is a niche. Okay. The height of this one's popularity was in the 90s. I have vivid memories of not only getting this a trick-or-treat time within like a two or three year span, but I would eat this every time. I would also go to this Halloween party at a local roller rink in costume to that very famous Gary Glitter song they would play at Penguins games. Rock and, and roll part then, two. Yes, and then I would turn around, eat this while I had Dr. Pepper in one hand, and playing the Simpsons four-player arcade game. Uh-huh. I am talking about none other than a king-size Butterfinger bar. Ooh, damn. Every, yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, I would get a, a crap ton of Butterfinger for a few years. That's in there. And now I'm going to mention one. When I was really little, it happened for a couple of years. Yeah. Nobody else you wanted too. Them. I mean, I, I like them. popcorn, but not a ball. popcorn ball. Yeah, it's all you, man. I, I gave those. Yeah, same. Yeah, they, they used to sell those okay. in separate packages, so, and, and I loved them. They were sweet You know my list is that, mostly going list. to be chocolate. I'm a chocoholic that's allergic to chocolate. To the point where I have hospitalized myself oh, <laughs> because of it. I can attest. Yeah. So I wish all I got Carrie, was just don't. breaking out. Because <laughs> that wouldn't stop me from eating the chocolate. I get migraines to the point where I'm <laughs> physically sick and where the migraine doesn't go away unless I go to the emergency room and they have to give me a shot in the back of my leg. I was five years old on migraine medicine. <laughs> Jeez. So, okay. okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> damn. So, I what, what Halloween have a fondness put you for Milky Ways. I love Milky Ways. No, no, no. Not okay. Snickers. Milky Ways. I love Milky Ways. Not Snickers, because that's a cousin um, of Milky Way with but nuts. Really? Okay. I, I love the crunch okay. bar. The Nestle Crunch Bar. I love that. I love the texture of it. Yeah. Um, just the, the Nestle Crunch. And then another thing that I do love that's not chocolate, sweet tarts. I forget sprees, sweet tarts. Oh, nice. Those are good. I, yeah. I love the chalkiness. Of it, uh, for some reason, Starburst, sweet tarts all the way. But yeah, so I, I mean, I love chocolate, without a doubt. So, Jake, is there a candy, or ca- even Carrie? You could both answer this, but uh, is there a candy that you would get, and you're just like, what in the hell is this? Who the hell puts this? Gives I would actually really enjoy that. I love raisins. Well, for me, it was raisins. 
<laughs> raisins. Oh my god! And I, and I know people who'd enjoy it too, but it's just like, no, please don't be those people. Please don't be those people. So, oh, Carrie, what about you? Is there anything something you that has you, fucking like, white chocolate? Throw it on. out or give it to like this is an old person's candy or? Oh no, uh-uh. <laughs> that's a year-round a thing that I goes around, that and that I'm just like, whenever I see like, it, Valentine's I get really thing. angry. Oh no, no. <laughs> now, one thing that I wish I would get more, and it was very rare. Um, my favorite candy bar is still a Clark bar. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm a Pittsburgh boy um, through and through, and. In the early days, we'd get some Clark bars, and oh, and then mm. there was they only made them for a little bit. Dark Clark, which is a Clark I, bar with dark chocolate. I remember that. I've never had it. Never. Had oh, it. oh my God! My dad had a client who worked for Clark for one time, and one ha- couple of Halloweens, he'd bring us home this gigantic <clears throat> box. It was Clark bars. It was also the white Clark. Mm. Jake, it was a Clark bar with I had white to give up chocolate for an entire year as a five-year-old. I think you might even like with this. the exception of I was allowed to have white chocolate. <laughs> it's traumatic for me. It is traumatic. Okay, I will say so, a prayer for you. So, um, I would I I do like in the nineties we had the emergence of like. Uh, you know, the Sour Patch Kids and the Warheads. I did I did start getting in my teen years as trick-or-treating ended. I, I liked the sour stuff, too. Um, I think there were shock tarts. I, I loved those. I remember those. But um, my kind of WTF thing um, is really anything that's not candy. And by that, I mean something minty for your breath. Oh, if yeah. you're dumping a few piddly ass singles of lifesavers, or, or they forgot, in my bag, they might have forgot. That to me is saying you couldn't have tried or cared any less. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, it's not. It's like, hey, let me reach into my pocket. Here's some lint to go with it. But yeah, it's like it's not salty. It's not sweet. It's not a combo of these things. It's not even sour. It's minty. I don't like. You should have just given me a piece of gum if you were going to do that. So that's that's my kind of hate it. I, that would happen every once in a while. Like, there's the dreaded white lights. I was going to say lightsaber. Lightsaber down at the bottom. Um, the one old person candy I would love to get. I actually like to get in a little butterscotch. I always like butterscotch. Give me caramel. As I got older, caramel. I appreciate those more. We got a jar of oh, Rolls Originals I in the bar here. I love in the house. Caramel yeah. bars. Those Carmel's. are actually yeah, my current favorite. We have those two. Ooh, I, well, I've worked are, it up yeah. so that I, I can tolerate Those are good. one I, I candy you bar one, a day or brain. one bowl of ice cream a day or one piece of cake a day. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- listen, guys, this about wraps it up. Uh, DFM family, thank you for joining us this month of October. Hope everybody has a, a safe and fun trick-or-treating, whether you're going with you and your friends or you're going with family. Uh, if you're doing a Halloween party, um, guys, that, that wraps it up for Halloween month for us on the behalf of uh, Jake, the midnight traveler and Carrie and myself, we love you guys. Thanks for making DFM as, as successful as ever. We really couldn't do it without you. And, uh, we are going to be kicking off, um, November, December, which I'm kind of unofficially calling our, our hungry for the holidays. We've got more zombies on the way. Here's Here's one that didn't make kind of any of our list today. We've got Grindhouse and we've got Planet Terror. 
uh, coming up on the uh, first Friday of November, followed Almost by the last, yeah, followed by the last horror film on eleven ten. We're kind of doing a little bit of docu horror with the town the dreaded sundown on eleven seventeen, and yeah, more zombies. We are gonna have Thanksgiving week is our Black Friday special, the original Dawn of the Dead, and then we've got. To kick off December, we've got Gremlins on the first Friday. We've got Black Christmas, second Friday in 12-8. We've got a really interesting one with uh, Ray Weiss, Dead End, on 12-15. And then to end the season, guys, uh, we've got The Lodge, which is like a a more modern Hammer film. They were dipping their toes in again a little bit on uh, 12-22. Love you guys. Take it easy.